Welcome to episode 51 of the Self-Care 101 podcast, helping you to crush overwhelm, stay focused and live better with your host, Pooja K. McClymon. Thank you so much for listening today. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the pressure we put on ourselves. Now, there's a difference between putting pressure on yourself and it leading to negative outcomes or excelling at what you want to do. In this show, I'm going to talk about the symptoms of putting too much pressure on ourselves and how that can harm us. I will also go into some discussion about NLP and how working towards excellence includes compassion for self, acceptance of failure and resilience. I've talked about this topic in previous shows, but this time we're going to go a little bit deeper and share some helpful NLP techniques to further strengthen change. As always, I'll be giving some tips to help you move forward and make better decisions for when you do put too much pressure on yourself. Life is to be enjoyed. We often forget that when we're in the pursuit of happiness and what it means to us. So let's get to it. The world's obsession with scrutiny and perfection can become quite a dampener on our self-esteem. We strive for perfection, yet we can't see the flawed logic in doing so. We can never achieve perfect flawlessness simply because humans were made to be fallible. We learn by making mistakes. If we never failed, we couldn't absorb the lessons or grow from our experiences. By design, humans are imperfect. So please, stop being so hard on yourself. Yes, you should have goals and standards for yourself, but beating yourself up for mistakes is only going to set you back. Putting too much pressure on yourself only adds stress to your life, which can easily lead to a nervous breakdown if you continue to see yourself in a negative light. Now this happened to me, and this is why I do what I do. Today we'll discuss some key behaviours that signify you're being way too hard on yourself. If you recognise these behaviours in yourself, you can start today with changing your thinking patterns to more positive ones. So here are five behaviours that reveal you put too much pressure on yourself. One, you let your failures stop you from trying. We all have to fail at some point. In fact, failing is perfectly normal and healthy. Without failures, we wouldn't know success. No one achieves their goals and dreams by snapping their fingers. As much as we'd like to wave a magic wand, it's not real. Sometimes we need to put in high levels of hard work, dedication and perseverance. True success also requires a certain level of risk taking. Limiting yourself to the familiar won't get you beyond your comfort zone and it is only beyond that where you can see a limitless horizon. So many people live within the limitations they set for themselves and therefore they see limited results. If you're only looking at where you failed and not maintaining healthy pride in how far you've come despite the setbacks, then you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Remember, Failure is nothing to be ashamed of. Just because you didn't hit a home run this time doesn't mean it won't happen next time. If you keep trying, your efforts will be rewarded in due time. Two, you don't think you're good enough. In an article I read from Psychology Today, Andrea F. Pollard says that we often lose our ability to extend compassion when it comes to ourselves. How many of us do that? In other words, we talk down to ourselves all the time, but would never utter those same words to a good friend, right? We would never talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves. We truly are our own worst critics at times, failing to give ourselves the love we so easily give to others. Why is self-love so hard? Well, take a look around you. 
As we touched on in the beginning, society seems to thrive on negative judgment of ourselves and others. Many businesses would literally fail if we all decided to love ourselves. The beauty industry, for example, couldn't survive if people didn't believe their appearance was flawed somehow and that a cream or a surgery could make them more beautiful. However, just because the world runs on negativity doesn't mean that you should constantly berate yourself and put so much pressure on yourself. So many people think they're inadequate and deeply flawed, and that's mostly because the consumerist culture in which we live in profits from our self-doubt. So, be a rebel and love yourself. Three, you feel stressed out all the time. Stress levels around the globe have reached an all-time high, especially right now. Some stress can help us achieve our goals and keep moving when we feel like quitting, but too much stress can literally kill us. Stress is like the number one killer right now. Stressing about anything is not going to solve the problem. In fact, it usually just makes the problem worse. Now, stress often arises from overthinking. Shout out to all the overthinkers, <laughs> which has also become quite an epidemic. If you fixate on all your perceived flaws, you're only going to feel worse about yourself and start stressing about all the things you think that you need to change. Practice being gentle with yourself. Learn to take things one day at a time. That's all we can really do. Four, you have unrealistic expectations. Putting too much pressure on yourself is going to cause you to have unrealistic expectations. And when you don't meet them, you're only going to harbor self-hatred. And this quickly develops into a vicious negative cycle. We all let ourselves down from time to time, but feeling disappointed in yourself the majority of the time isn't healthy for your self-esteem. If you wanted to start a business, for example, don't expect to have it up and running in a month. You have to set small achievable goals and break things down into smaller steps if you want to succeed. If you tend to set a high bar for yourself and then get angry when reality doesn't match your dreams, you are probably placing too much pressure on yourself. And five, you always want more. Wanting more for yourself is commendable, but losing sight of all the good in your life by focusing solely on what you don't have is a recipe for disaster. The world never seems content and this angst can cause us to view ourselves and our lives as inadequate. If you never feel satisfied in life, this means you're putting way too much pressure on yourself. Now we talk about gratitude in a lot of coaching and a lot of self-love work, but gratitude is a really easy step to help you appreciate what you have now. This in turn helps you build your self-esteem and it also places value on your self-worth and knowing where your foundations lie. Let's switch this up to some NLP now. We are creatures of habit. Our lives follow patterns that we take with us wherever we go. I had a phone call once from somebody I'd met on a course and he explained to me, I just wanted to tell you that I'm going through a bad patch in my life. My relationship with my partner is not working out, so I've decided to finish it. And I've been very unhappy in my job, so I've decided to resign. And I wanted to tell you that on top of all of that, I've decided to leave the country. I am fed up with the climate and the culture here. And he thought that he wouldn't take his patterns with him. <laughs> It's our patterns in thinking and behaving that create our response to our circumstances, not the circumstances themselves. 
And by becoming aware of these patterns or habits, we can begin to choose the life that we want. Running away from what we don't want is not the answer. We remain the constant that creates our circumstances. I find this very interesting. When we go on holiday, for instance, we tend to escape life. I need a break. I need a beach holiday. I just want to sit and do nothing for two weeks. And we do it. We also think that we're going to reset our lives by taking this break. But all we're actually doing when we're taking this break is taking a break. We don't do any conscientious work when we're away. We don't do any coaching whilst we're away. We don't take therapy whilst we're away because that's all work, isn't it? That's counterproductive for why we're going on holiday. And then we come back and we feel this renewed sense of self. We feel really good. We've got this lovely tan. And we're like, right, now I'm going to change the way my life is. And within a couple of days, we realize that we actually can't because we've not done the actual work that we need to do to change our lives, to make change in our lives. We rely on these holidays to give us that reset. Now, what a holiday does is it does reset you, but it resets your tiredness, you know? It gives you a break from day to day, washing the dishes, dropping kids to school, going to work, commuting, you know, all those things. It gives you a break from that, but it doesn't let you reset your life. You've still got work to do in order to reset your life. You've got to review yourself, your self-awareness, you know, what do you know about yourself? What patterns of behavior do you keep repeating? A lot of the time we hate to face ourselves in the mirror and coaching does help you sort of look at yourself in this regard and see what we're doing wrong. When um, clients talk to me about relationships and they're like, you know, why can't I just find a nice guy? Why, Why do I keep meeting the same type of girl? And it's like, maybe you're doing that yourself. You know, you can't always blame the external. You're attracted to a certain type of person for certain reasons. You need to explore that. You need to look at being open to trying guys and girls that on paper may not look like what you want, but actually you're getting what you're asking for. (laughs) Now there are strategies that we can do for success through NLP. And we've learned that strategies can work for us and against us. In NLP, these patterns and habits, they're known as strategies. So a strategy is a sequence of thoughts and behaviors based on a set of beliefs and a sense of self. We all have characteristic elements in our strategies for both our resourceful and unresourceful states. We've learned that strategies that work for us, just as we have learned ones that work against us. Once we're aware of what we're doing, when our lives are going well and what we are doing when our lives are not going well, we then have choices. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Understanding when our strategies in this instance are actually resourceful, are actually helpful to us and when they are not so helpful to us. This is about resilience. So how you bounce back from a situation, how you view a negative experience. Do you go straight to the woe is me and wallow in self-pity? Or do you think, hmm, that's happened. I don't like that it's happened, but it's probably happened for a reason. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's move on from this. How you bounce back, how you are resilient when you face adversity is very, very important. And these strategies in our thinking are the key to letting us know what works for us and what doesn't work for us. So the queen of NLP, Sue Knight, she talks about 
these sorts of thoughts being a groove. So basically, there is a cut in our thinking, like literally a cut, like a pair of scissors or a knife. And it's the and it's the same with our patterns. So once this groove is cut, the easiest choice is for us to do what we've always done before. Unfortunately, this is not a recipe for success, right? We know this. You might be familiar with the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But today, it's more likely that if it ain't broke, it is probably redundant. We don't get many second chances in life. We take our chances or our chances pass us by. How many opportunities have we missed? How many times have we second guessed ourselves and thought, no, I shouldn't do this. But then actually, three years later, that is exactly what we should have done because you're right back at the same point. We don't take enough chances in life. What we need increasingly to be able to do is to cut new grooves for ourselves and do so daily so that we can continuously make new connections in our behavior and our thinking. Now, this is very similar. I guess you could aken it to limiting beliefs in therapy. It's very much changing the way we think about things, the way we approach things, the way we follow patterns of thinking. Now to do this, we need to first of all find the behaviors that we want and then practice them until they become a natural choice. We already have these alternative choices in our repertoire. We just need to note when we are behaving in a way that is in line with how we want to be and mark it out. In NLP, that's called anchoring so that we can access it when we choose. When I'm working with clients, this is very much a case of you have the answers, you have, I don't know, bounced back from adversity before in some way, shape or form. Let's use those reference points to make that change applicable today with regards to what you're trying to change. So if somebody has low self-esteem, you've decided you have low self-esteem. Every time you talk to yourself, you're like, oh, I have low self-esteem because I'm overweight or I have low self-esteem because I'm single or I have low self-esteem because I'm not great at what I do and I haven't had that promotion. But what have you changed in your life to make you overcome those things that you feel are a hindrance to your self-esteem, to your confidence? You do need to make some changes and changes doesn't mean you have to add things to your life. It could be that you need to take away certain things. So in this instance, in this show, we're talking about changing the patterns of our thoughts in order to get the results that we want to get. If you're not motivated to do something, you've got to find a way of being motivated. If you're not happy with something in your life, you've got to find a way of changing it. If you don't make that choice to change it, then you are going to stay demotivated. You are going to stay unhappy with those choices. I know I talk about choices all the time, but it is a choice. Everything's a choice. We're adults. You know, we can make our own choices. No one tells us what to do anymore, but we are conditioned from past behaviors, from past experiences, from things that we've experienced as adults. We are conditioned to do what is safe, which is fine. If that works for you, that's fine. I don't think it works for you because you're listening to my podcast and my podcast is not about (laughs) being comfortable. It is not about being complacent. My podcast is about up-leveling your life. It is about taking those necessary steps to change what is doing your head in. I mean, in more simple words. (laughs) So let's look at a little bit of a shortcut to developing a strategy. 
Now, I discussed earlier that the concept of cutting a groove basically results in resourceful states and we cut grooves that result in unresourceful states, but we want more resourceful ones, right? So given that the states that we give our attention to are the ones that are most likely to be strengthened, this exercise is about identifying a strategy that leads to a resourceful state so that you can increase the likelihood of having consistency in your ability to choose this state whenever you want. So we're talking about, you know, if you don't change anything, then nothing changes, right? If we focus on negative thoughts, oh, I have low self-esteem, I have no confidence, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, I'm this, I'm that, then you're just going to get more of that. So this is about changing a resourceful state or or creating more resourceful states through strategy. So the first way you can do this is identify a resourceful state that you would like to experience whenever you choose. So one that you have experienced before. It might be a state of confidence, enthusiasm or motivation. So this is some good reflective work. Two, wait until the next time you have this state. You could also go back in your thinking to associate into a time when you had this state previously. This falls into a little bit of transactional analysis, actually, which is in counseling. So you're going to sort of take a pause when you experience that state and then review, "Mm, can I change this? What can I do differently here? Three, be aware of what it is like to be in this state. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you saying to yourself? And most importantly, what are you feeling? When I talk about feeling, something that I've talked about in other shows is about the actual physical feeling in your body. We are so much in our heads. And when we're in our heads, we forget how our bodies react, but we're all connected. Our mind and our body is connected. Our body is going to manifest how we're feeling. So we need to check in with our physical bodies as well to see how we're feeling. Four, what was the trigger for that state? So what set you on a sequence of getting to that state? Five, what happened next? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you say? What did you say to yourself? What did you feel? Now, if you're not sure, keep the question, what am I doing in my thinking in your mind each time you experience this state? It's the only way to sort of, you know, change gears. Six, write down the sequence of thinking patterns so that you can check it out again the next time you experience it. I know I talk about writing things down all the time, but it's true, you know, (laughs) write it down. Very, very important to write these things down. Get them out of your head, onto paper, read through it, reflect. Seven, test to see if you can create the state without the usual trigger. Now, if it doesn't work, keep tracking what happens when you do get to the state so you can find the missing pieces. And eight, keep the question, how am I doing this in your mind? One definition of NLP is that it's the study of the structure of subjective experience. Now, we all experience external events, but what do we what we do with them? Now, that is subjective. If we want to reproduce the results that we recognize in ourselves or in others, then what we can study is the structure of that subjectivity. That sounds quite wordy, doesn't it? Not only can we learn how to reproduce those skills, but we are respecting the uniqueness of our individual interpretations of life. If we can learn how to respect individual culture, maybe we can begin to do the same in the world at large. So what we're talking about here is 
Now, when I personally have something negative happen to me, right? Say a friend cancels on me. I could go into a full-on downward spiral of she always cancels on me. Why make why bother making a date with her? She's gonna cancel and she's so unreliable. I have rubbish friends, I'm not a good person. Why does this always happen to me? And I go down that spiral. But actually, when somebody cancels with me, I go into a state of hmm. That's annoying, but okay. Well, if I'm not meeting her, then I've got four hours free. What can I do in those four hours? It's going to bring me joy, basically. And so I reframe. So I, I've I've learned to stop going down that pattern of thinking through this type of NLP work because the state is disappointment. So if I feel disappointed, if I feel hard done by, by other people, I could react into a downward spiral. And what I don't do now is allow that downward spiral to happen. If something negative happens, in inverted commas, you know, something happens that I'm not happy about, I will very quickly change and reframe that thought so I don't go down the spiral. Because if I go down the spiral, I'm going to lose maybe a couple of days of my life. And I'm approaching 40. I haven't got time for that. So so it's not to do that. I do do this work very, very quickly. And this is something that you'll learn. You know, when the more you do this kind of reflective work, play this episode back, do those steps one by one, the more you do it, the more you practice it in real life as it happens, the more it will become second nature. Remember, it only takes 21 days to form a habit. It does take 180 days to form a new neural pathway. So it's just about consistency, you know, and accepting that you're going to have to practice it. And a final thought on putting too much pressure on yourself. Just because modern society operates in a constant state of dissatisfaction, it doesn't mean you have to follow suit. If you notice the behaviours in yourself that I've talked about in this show, take a step back and really find out why you put so much pressure on yourself. Once you get to the root of the problem, extending love and compassion towards yourself is going to become second nature. Thank you for listening to the Self-Care 101 podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would subscribe, rate and review so that other people like you can find the show. To find out more about me, you can follow me on the socials at Frankly Coaching or visit my website, franklycoaching.com. Talk to you soon.